So many of us want to find joy in our work, but we're often too caught up in the daily tasks to look at the big picture. In this episode, one of the most successful executive leaders on the key questions you can ask yourself to begin finding joy in your career. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 577. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. Of course, we talk so much about coaching on the show and the importance of being coach-like and coaching others. And an element of that, of course, is self-coaching. How do we look inward? Today, we're going to do that uh, a whole bunch and also look at it through the lens of joy. How do we find more joy in our work and use that as a starting point for really helping us to create movement and really take charge of our own careers and our own development. I'm so glad to welcome an expert today who's gonna to help us with so much perspective on this. David Novak is co-founder and the retired chairman and CEO of Yum Brands, the world's largest restaurant company with over 45,000 restaurants in more than 135 countries and territories. During his tenure as CEO, Yum Brands became a global powerhouse, growing from $4 billion in revenue to over $32 billion. After retiring in 2016, he became founder and CEO of David Novak Leadership, dedicated to developing leaders at every stage of life. David is also the host of the top-ranked podcast, How Leaders Lead, and founder of the leadership development platform of the same name. An expert on leadership and recognition culture, David is also a New York Times bestselling author. His books include Taking People With You, The Only Way to Make Big Things Happen, Oh Great One, A Little Story About the Awesome Power of Recognition, and his latest book with Jason Goldsmith, Take Charge of You, How Self-Coaching Can Transform Your Life and Career. David, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Dave. I've really been looking forward to this because, you know, I share your passion for leadership development. Yeah, me too. I've uh, been so fortunate to see your name and your work in so many places over the years. And, you know, you've had such an incredible career and have supported so many folks and, and actually I'd love to go back a whole bunch of years to start us off. Back to 1997, there was a big change happening in your world and in the business of the work you were doing of KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell coming together as a new brand. And you were the proposal was for you to become co-leader of this new company that would become Yum Brands. And it was not a proposal you were especially thrilled about, I can tell from reading in the book. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I, I did a little, I had to do a little bit of self-coaching there for sure. <laughs> what is it that wasn't quite lining up with what you wanted? Well, you know, I, I got to go back just a little bit. Uh, I was running KFC and, you know, I absolutely loved it. And I got a call from Roger Enrico, who was the chairman of, uh, of PepsiCo. Well, little did I know, Dave, at that point in time, Roger was in the midst of preparing to spin off the restaurants, you know, and create a new company that would be totally focused on the restaurant business so that the, that he could focus uh, PepsiCo totally on the packaged goods business. And he felt that focus would be good for shareholders. And it certainly ended up being the case. 
So he said, you know, David, uh, he called me up and said, we're going to do the spinoff. I didn't even know what a spinoff was at that point in time, but it meant that, you know, Pizza, Taco Bell and KFC would become an independent company. And, you know, so, you know, he said, I'd like you to be the co co-leader of the company. And I said, well, what does that really mean? And he says, well, I'd like you to be the sort of the, the chief spiritual officer, the, the operating guy that, you know, really, yeah, you understand the restaurant business really well. And I'd like you to have this other guy become the CEO because he knows more about finance than you. And this, the other person happened to work at uh, Taco Bell. So, you know, I said, Roger, that really doesn't sound that right to me, you know, but I will meet with this person and go to dinner with them and we'll, we'll see if this could work out. So I go out with them and, you know, I realized that I'm basically looking at myself in the mirror. You know, he, he was more of an operating guy, more of a marketing person. And when I probed him on the finance part of the equation, uh, he had come from a, a convenience store, which had basically gone bankrupt. He had nothing to do with getting that company out of bankruptcy. Uh, another person had done that, and he had focused on the operations. So I'm looking at a guy who's basically has no more experience in finance that, than me, and I have more experience than him in the restaurant business. And the other thing that kind of hit me is he he talked a lot about us making the kind of money we could make in this. And that, I never thought about making money in my life. Okay, What I always wanted to do was be a part of uh, uh, winning, part of creating greatness. And so I, I just didn't feel like this was going to work. Hmm. So I had to really stick to my personal passion here. And so I, I told Roger that I wasn't going to take the job. It didn't make sense. I thought I should run the company. He says, well, you know, uh, David, you need to take the job. And I said, no, I don't want to take the job. And so I, 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 then about a couple of days later, I get this call from the head of human resources of PepsiCo. He says, David, you got to take this job. And I said, I'm not taking the job. And he said, you know, you're going to get fired. And I said, well, go ahead and fire me. I mean, you know, I, I don't feel like I should work for somebody that, you know, I know the business better and I, I think I have more skills to, to run the company. And he said, well, you're going to get fired. Well, Dave, once I hung up the phone after that conversation, I knew there's only one person that that comes out on top in a situation like that. And it's usually not the person that says, go ahead and fire me. It's usually the boss who can make up <laughs> right. decisions. Right. So I then said, OK, I've now got to show Roger, you know, why it should be me. So I went to work and I developed a presentation that I took up to, to share. I called up Roger and said, I'd like to share it with you. And, and I uh, took it and met with him at purchase at the, at the PepsiCo's corporate headquarters. And, you know, I laid out basically what kind of culture I thought we should create, what processes that we should have, you know, how this company should be run differently than, than what it had been under the PepsiCo tenure. And I laid out, you know, why I should be the person. And I also said, look, I don't mind working for somebody, but you got to give me somebody that's going to teach me something and somebody that actually has better financial experience. And so basically in this particular situation, I couldn't talk to anybody else because the spinoff was totally confidential. Right. And so there was no one that I could talk to about this. And so I really had to, to, had to figure out what was going to give me joy? What, what was going to make me feel fulfilled? You know, and I never could work for somebody that I ever thought was, you know, that I didn't think had more to teach me than, 
what I could teach them. And, and that's, that's always been a fundamental for me. I always wanted to work with people that I knew I could learn from and grow from. And I just didn't see that happen. So I knew my, I would be sapped to going to work. And plus I, I knew that, you know, we needed to have someone, if I didn't have the financial experience, we needed to get somebody who did, and it sure wasn't this guy. And we needed to team up with someone better. So, you know, I, I made my presentation, made my pitch to Roger and Roger I said, David, I, I agree with you. Uh, I see why you don't want to work for this particular person, you know, but I got to get you a chairman and, you know, you don't know what you don't know, which is, which was probably true at the time. And it's true today. Okay. Yeah. But that's how I ended up uh, being in the perfect position. I basically said no to free delay. And then I was running pizza and KFC and, and I was in the perfect position to, 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 to run, run young brands, but I did have to stick to my guns and, and dig deep down into what would really make me happy versus just basically do what somebody else wanted me to do. Yeah, indeed. And, and the rest is history, as they say, uh, you, you write in the book, this might not have ever happened if I hadn't been able to coach myself through that crucial moment. What is it that you did that from the lens of self-coaching, in retrospect, was so helpful to you to be able to hit pause and to do some of that own self-reflection? Well, you know, I've always been a person and that, that has high, had high self-awareness. You know, I've always tried to really understand what makes me tick. And just like I try to understand what makes other people tick when I, when I coach them. Um, and, and in that particular case, Dave, you know, I love to grow. You know, one of the, the biggest things that gives me joy is I need to, I need to, I need to grow. I, I, I need to learn. And, and for me, you know, that means that I need to be around someone that's going to help me raise my game. The other thing is, is I, I love to, to be the leader. I, I, I like to have the opportunity to be in control and and be accountable and and guide my my destiny. And so in this particular situation, gee, I, I didn't think I'd be working for somebody that I could learn from. And number two, I'd be number two, you know, number two, I would be number two. And that didn't appeal to me at all. I, if I was going to have to work for somebody else, I wanted that person to give me the chance to really create the company that I knew we could create. And I knew that I would be very unhappy. Uh, I, I just knew this wasn't going to work out. I didn't see us being simpatico. I thought that would be bad for the company, bad for me, bad for PepsiCo, and just a bad situation all around. And so that's why I, I, I really made the decision I did to stand firm that you know, I thought I should have the top job. And if I wasn't going to get the top job, give me somebody who has financial experience and some some uh, great experience that can help us build a great company. And by the way, one of the people that I recommended to Roger uh, that could be chairman of the company was a guy by the name of Andy Pearson, who used to be the president of PepsiCo. And he taught at Harvard Business School and worked at Clayton Dublier and Rice in, as in the leverage buyout business. And uh, Roger said he would consider that. And about six months later, he made up his decision to, uh, to, to ask uh, Andy to team up with me. And all Andy wanted to do was to give me the power to run the company the way I wanted to run it and, and be my coach. Mm. So I, I was blessed in many, many ways through this whole process. Well, you said such an important word a moment ago, um, self-awareness. 
and that being a bit of a superpower for you. And my sense is, is that there's a lot of leaders who struggle with that, of, of having that self-awareness. And you and Jason write in the book, what you need is to develop a good understanding of who you are and what drives you. And then you need a process, a kind of a blueprint you can follow that will help you use that knowledge to create conditions that will allow you to grow and thrive. And the book is really a bit of that blueprint of how to actually discover a bit of that self-awareness and how to get there. And the word joy comes up a lot in the book. And I'm, I'm wondering how you think about and define the word joy, and how does it help you to take charge? Well, I think joy is, we define it as high energy happiness, okay? It's like, you, you know, you're really happy. You bring a lot of energy to what you do because you love what you're doing. You know, it's like uh, Warren Buffett, who I had the great privilege of meeting with for um, every year I was in, as a part of Young Brands, which, by the way, was another case of self-coaching. You know, when I did become the CEO of Young Brands, you know, Roger is right. I did not have a lot of investment uh, experience in terms of how to work with investors. And so I said, who could help me? So I went to see Warren Buffett. I used some of my contacts and, and went to Warren Buffett because I figured he could help me if anybody could in terms of, you know, how to work with the investment community. Sure. And he told, he told me, he said, David, you're so passionate about what you do, which is great. He said, but make, make sure you let people know what can go wrong in your business. They'll trust you more if you do that. Boy, that was such a wise thing for him to tell me. And I, I call that sober selling. You know, it's, and so I started from that point on saying, hey, these are all the great things, the reason why we can grow. But you, know, you need to know that these are the two things that could uh, go wrong in our company. And, and you know, I tell you what, it really, you could see it just building trust right, right off the bat when you did that. It really did give me credibility. But I self-coached myself to go see Warren Buffett to get that kind of uh, experience. So you know, the whole notion of joy is doing what you love. And the reason why I bring up Warren Buffett, in addition to the fact that it's a great self-coaching story, is that Warren Buffett had an autobiography, which was called Tap Dancing to Work, okay? Mm. Because he loved what he was doing. He loved finance. He loved being curious about other businesses. He loved making, you know, investments. This is what he was absolutely great at. And so he never, ever thought he worked. And I think when you, when you do something that's joyful, you know, it work becomes your hobby. Okay. It's not like something you have to do. And that's why Jason and I really believe joy is, is so important. And, you know, what we're trying to do is, is coach people through the process of figuring out how can you, 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 you get joy in your life and, and your career. Yeah, indeed. And uh, the, the invitation that comes in the writing is using joy as your destination finder. That if you use that as the starting point, that can really open up so many doors. And there's a process that you and Jason outlined to really begin that and to start to illuminate where that is. And the first step is to find your joy blockers, the what's getting in your way of having joy. How do you do that? Because that's something that's, is, I think a lot of folks really struggle with. Yeah. You know, it, it, people do struggle with it and people do have an issue with self-awareness. You know, I think 75% of leaders tell you that they're highly self-aware, but I think 25% of the people that uh, work for them don't think they're aware at all. Yeah, okay? right. You know, so it's, there's a, there's a disconnect there, you know? So what, what Jason and I do is we really believe in the process of, of really trying to understand, 
you know, what your joy blockers are and then, and then figure out what your joy builders are. So the first thing you have to do is you have to self-reflect. You have to think, you know, what was my, what was the worst day I had? Uh, my worst day at work, my worst day at home, my worst day personally, you know, what were the, what, what specifically happens in those kinds of days that just absolutely sap my joy and take my joy away? You know, what is it about your job that you, you, you just don't like, okay. You know, and write all these things down, you know, write them all down and, and, and let make a list. Then you go to the joy builder side of the equations. And you say, okay, what, is, what happens to me when I have my best day? Okay. You know, when do I have the most fun? You know, when have I had my most memorable moments that, you know, I'll never forget because, you know, it was, it was, it was a great accomplishment. You know, you know, what is it that makes my best day at work, my best day at home, my best day personally? Okay. Write all those things down. Okay. Then look at it. Then look at the ledger and then say, and look at what you're basically doing today, how you're living your life at home and, and at work and figure out where you, where you stand. You might be really, really a happy guy because you're on the joy builder side and you're, that's where 90% of your time is. I mean, we all have to do some things we don't like in our, our job, but you could be in a situation where, you know, one of the joy blockers is, is you just don't like the people you work with. And, but one of the joy builders is, is you love the company you're in. So maybe what you have to do in that particular situation is, is move to another part of the company so you can do what you love with people that you, 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 you like doing it with. But the main thing is that, you know, by understanding what gives you joy and what takes away your joy, you can assess, you know, how you're truly living your life. And then I think that helps you determine what the single biggest thing is that you can do to, to, to get you into an area that that's going to give you more satisfaction and more fulfillment. Yeah, indeed. And I want to ask you about that process of just sitting down and, and making that list. Um, when I was researching the book and, and looking at some of your work, I stumbled across a, a quote from Blaise Pascal, who said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And um, I hope folks will forgive the gender bias of the quote, but I think the message is is so true of what I've seen. Stopping to think and to create a list like you've described of what is blocking joy, where is joy showing up, that is just this, even to start and sit down is a real obstacle for a lot of folks. And and I'm yeah. curious as you when, when when you're coaching folks, when Jason's working with folks, what do you find that helps just to get people in the place of willingness to sit down and to begin to ask that question? Yeah, I, I think you know you bring up such a great point here. You you have to find the quiet time that makes you reflect. And both Jason and I really ask people to to do this. Uh, do the thing, you know, look for their joy builders and blockers and, 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 and take the quiet time to do it. And, you know, another great exercise I, I have, Dave, is I call it the three, five, three by five exercise where I write down what am I today and what do I need to be tomorrow? And I do this every year. And in fact, the top 50 executives that I had working for me when I was at Young Brands, I had them all do their 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 three by five cards. And I would have coaching sessions with them once a quarter. And we start out with how are they were doing on their three by five cards. For example, for me, one of the things that, that I am is I'm very passionate 
very committed and I get very convicted. Okay. That's all those things are great traits for you to have as a leader, but on the downside, they can scare the hell out of people that work for you. And, you know, so I, I needed to have more tempered passion, tempered enthusiasm. And so, you know, that's an example of what I would share with my team. I said, this is what I'm working on now, now help me. But that, but I would do, you know, my personal look at my personal style, my personal behaviors, and then what I needed to do also from a professional standpoint, you know, like I was a traditional marketer, I was great at doing, at, you know, at least good at doing TV commercials and print advertising, but then, you know, digital came on the stage and I was behind the game. And so I, I you know, I told everybody, I got to get great at digital, you know, because I, I'm not good at digital. And so I took actions to, to, to get better at that. But, but having, you know, a, a process where you actually sit down and take the time to write down, and I do, I write down, all, you know, what I am today, what I need to be tomorrow. I share with everybody that's important to me. And I also put it on my refrigerator. Okay. So I look at it every day and I keep it, keep it front and center. But I think, uh, you know, getting that quiet, you can't do this just off the cuff. You have to actually think about it, you know? So like when it comes to joy, what's getting in the way of your joy? You know, really think about that. Get specific. Don't be general. Is it that you're traveling too much so you never get to see your family? Is it you're not growing like you want to grow? Is it that you just don't get along with your boss? But you, you have to really think about those things and take the time to do it. And you can't do it in the hustle bustle of life. You, you know, you have to do it, you know, by finding time for yourself so that you can get to get down to the, the, the real essence of who you are, what you want to do and, and why you want to do it. Yeah, I, I'm hearing you say a couple of key things there. One is just uh, the decision that you're going to invest the time. Secondly, to actually set aside the time so that you're doing some thinking in advance on this and you're creating the space for it. And then I'm also hearing a third thing there too of once you have gone through that process of a bit of sharing what you've discovered with others and surfacing that and that regularly coming up in, in conversation. And so it's it's a framework to do what I think a lot of folks struggled with, especially when the pandemic had, of course, of all of a sudden people had time to think, right? right but they didn't right. know the process to follow of, okay, well, where do I actually start and what are the questions to ask? And just just getting into that space and following that simple process of what's getting in the way where does that joy show up? And, and like you said, then looking at those lists and seeing where are the similarities, what's the repeating themes? And I'm guessing that for some people, those themes come up really clearly when they look at, at, their, at what they've written. And for some people, maybe they don't see it. And when you talk with the people who are not seeing it, when the list comes up, what's getting in their way and what, if anything, helps them move past that? Well, you know, you're right. You know, it's not, it's not some, it's just not like a ABC kind of thing where you do this, you know, you, you, you do your joy builders, you get your, your joy blockers, understand that. Then you get your single biggest thing. You know, sometimes, you know, you're confused. Sometimes you don't really know what's next. Okay. So, you know, one thing could be, that's when it's time to go talk to some assistant coaches, you know, talk to some people who really know you that can give you a better sense of, of who you are. Ask them, you know, what they think makes you tick, what your strengths are, what your areas of opportunity are. And my favorite question is, what would you do if you were me? You don't have to do it, but you can certainly listen to it. You know? Huh. So I, I think that that, you know, you, you go to other people now, 
what you might realize is, gee, I just don't know myself well enough. My single biggest thing right now is I got to get to know myself well enough so that I can actually make it uh, a stand in terms of where I want to go. The uh, one of the big impacts and coming out of this examination of joy is to get to something you mentioned a bit ago, but I want to dive in more is the single biggest thing. And that's key in this. And it, and it's interesting that it's one thing. What's the reason that it is one thing versus surfacing seven or eight or 10 things? Well, again, Dave, by picking one thing, it forces you to think. It forces you to prioritize. You know, uh, you know where I got this idea uh, was when I was the CEO of Young Brands, I, I taught a program called Taking People With You the only way to make big things happen. And we later wrote a book on that so we could yeah. scale the, the learnings to our restaurant managers. We had it published in eight different languages. But I had the price of admission for the people who came to, to my three-day program, which I taught from beginning to end, was what's the single biggest thing you're working on that can have the biggest impact on the growth of young brands? And then I took them through the process of leadership I use to take people with me, getting the mindset right, you know, getting a, getting the, having a plan, getting strategy, structure, culture, and then following through to get, get results. But it was all geared towards that single biggest thing that could have the biggest impact. And what I found from doing that was it forced people to really think about what it is they could do in their job that could have the most measurable impact on, on our company. And, you know, that's where I got this idea. So when you think about coaching, you know, I, I think the same thing works. You know, what's the single biggest thing that you can imagine that will bring joy in, in your life, make the biggest difference in your life and career? And the more specific you are, the better, because the clearer your, your thinking is going to be. And at the same time, I think you need to really think big for your life and have high aspirations. So that's what we encourage people to do, do in the book. What's a example of some of the single biggest things that that you've heard that that end up being things that people can really latch on to. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, great thing for me was, you know, when we first started out our company, you know, we we had a lot of lot of success and and we went from having a, you know, a junk bond balance sheet, you know, we started getting some credibility, the stock was doing really well, you know. And then I said, "Well, what's the single biggest thing that we can do, you know, as a company?" And I said, "Well, you know what? You know, we learned a lot from a lot of companies when we started our business. What we want to do is become the defining global company that feeds the world. You know, I said, that's the biggest thing I want to do. I want to build this global company that people are going to want to come to to learn on exactly how we did it. And within that, you know, that meant we wanted to have a famous recognition culture, okay, the, that was renowned and, 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 and written about. You know, we wanted to make sure our brands were vibrant everywhere we do business. And we wanted to make sure that we help people who couldn't afford our food eat food. And that's why we tied in with the World Food Program and really had a, a great corporate social responsibility effort. But anyway, the, the whole point was, is that your single biggest thing is going to change as you, as you go through your career. You know, my single biggest thing when I got out of journalism school at the University of Missouri, I loved marketing and I loved advertising. But I had to get a job. Nobody was hiring back then. You know, <laughs> right. inflation was twenty percent. Unemployment was double digits. Nobody. If you were trying to get in the agency advertising business or marketing business, nobody would hire you because you didn't have experience. I just wanted to get in the door. My single biggest thing was to get an opportunity. 
which I got. But then as you grow in your career, your, your single biggest thing is going to change because your ambitions and, and where you're at in your career is going to change. And you need to have that kind of self-reflection all along the way that, that allows you to kind of take your, take your next step in whatever that journey is going to be. Hmm. I, I so appreciate that invitation to think about it as it's going to change because I, I think the, 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 the hangup that a lot of folks have, um, thinking of folks I've worked with and just in my own life as well, is we think, gosh, I, there's so many things I want to do. There's so many ways I want to grow. And we try to do seven or eight or nine or 20 things all at once. And the irony of it is that uh, I've experienced the same thing. When I've zeroed in on one thing and then I focus there, and then get traction there, and then take on the next thing once the next thing's important, I actually end up able to do way more over time than when at times I've tried to do seven or eight or 10 things at once. And I see that replicated again and again in our members too, that when we can get down to focusing on one thing at a time, it, it has a way of focusing us on the what's next in a way that helps us to just move forward consistently and sustainably over time. David, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the story I told about becoming the CEO of Young Brands, you know, I loved PepsiCo. My goal was to become a division president of PepsiCo. I had that job. I had, I was running Pizza Hut and KFC. I didn't even know what a CEO really did. Okay. <laughs> but when the world changed, then my single biggest thing was I wanted to make sure I was in the best possible position to build a company that I knew I was the best possible leader, at least in my own mind at that time, to take to, to, to great heights. You know, I really wanted to, you know, build that company. And, and uh, I was, you know, I, it, it, once, once that became something that could possibly be attainable for me, then I really had a, a new single biggest thing. And that was to become the head of this new company. But it wasn't even on my mind until it became an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, one thing at a time, based on the context of what's happening. I, I so appreciate the invitation. Uh, you know, Jason and you have just really outlined uh, so much structure here. And, and and David, you've had just an incredible career. I mean, both as a business executive and as a CEO and, and producing amazing results, and now also teaching other leaders. As you have been working on this book over the last few years, you know, one of the things, I mean, you point out that you're always learning and growing. It's a next single biggest thing, right? What's something, as you reflect on the last couple of years, that you've changed your mind on? Well, it, it wouldn't necessarily be in the area of leadership, but it would be in the area of just uh, maybe technical development. You know, I've never been a technology person per se. In my wife's uh, diabetic, and she had a severe diabetes seizure. And you, know, I really learned all about her diabetes. And you know, we were using these uh, pins to give the shots. And you know, I would look at the sliding scale, and I could, you know, I got very comfortable doing that. And then we got this pump, this new diabetic uh, pump, that uh, tandem pump, and with, which has a Dexcom. You know, it's much more sophisticated. You've got to put all this apparatus on your your wife, and my wife needs me to do it because you know she's you know she can't see as well as she needs to see to do it. And you know, the the first week we had it, you know, we made a big mistake together. 
and she over bolused and gave herself way too much insulin. And, you know, we, you know, it took us six or seven hours to get it all worked out. And, you know, I was, I knew how to do the other stuff manually so well, I, I wanted to go back and do that. Uh. And so, you know, uh, but my wife said, you know, we can do this. She, she forced me into it. So I've literally changed my mind, you know, that this, this tandem uh, pump and this Dexcom, it's the greatest thing since peanut butter. Okay. I hated it when I first started doing it, you know, but I learned how to do it and it helped me really change my mind on something that's very important. And in fact, life-saving in, in, uh, in, in my wife's case. David Novak is the co-author with Jason Goldsmith of Take Charge of You, How Self-Coaching Can Help Transform Your Life and Career. David, thank you so much for your time and your leadership. Thank you, Dave, and I appreciate all you're doing and uh, you know, keep up the great work. We, we, the world needs better leaders. Indeed. If this conversation was useful to you, several related episodes all around careers that I'd recommend for you. One of them is episode 352, How to Find Your Calling, with my guest Ken Coleman. Ken is an expert at career transitions, helping folks to really zero in on what's most important and then to put the architecture behind that. In episode 352, we talked about some of the key strategies, and Ken also shared a number of stories and analogies, which really illuminate that so beautifully. Episode 352. To a great compliment to this conversation. I'd also recommend episode 542, Align Your Work With Your Why. Kwame Marfo was my guest on that episode. Kwame is an alum of our academy and walked us through in that conversation some of his own personal story and how his personal story has informed his professional path in his career. A beautiful example of someone really doing the work that we talked about in this episode of asking the big questions around the why and what finds joy, and then how to align the work with that purpose, episode 542, for a bit of inspiration there. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 555, How to Nail a Job Transition. Sikinder Singh Cassidy was my guest on that episode, also a tremendously successful executive leader. We talked in that episode about the transition point when you do decide it's time to move on, uh, perhaps for another role within the organization that's substantially different, or perhaps you're moving on from the organization entirely to something new. A lot of details there on how to exactly execute on that transition well, and how to really look at all the different kinds of stakeholders in that to make that transition happen effectively. Episode 555 for those details. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you haven't yet, I'm inviting you to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. It's going to give you access to a ton of benefits benefits of free membership and one of those key benefits is able is being able to search the library by topic all of the interviews that I've aired since 2011 are there on the website most importantly though they are all tagged by topic so for example if you are asking questions right now about your career and looking for more resources around career growth in addition to the episodes I've just mentioned we have aired so many dozens and dozens of conversations over the years on career growth and finding joy in your career not only for you but of course for being able to support the people you're leading inside your organization. It's one of the key benefits of being able to go into the library and search by topic. I know many of you listen to the podcast as it comes out in order, and also many of you go back 
into our library and listen to episodes. And some folks I know like to go back and listen in order or even go back to the early years of the show and listen in order on the podcast app. And you can find all of our episodes in order, everything, the full library on all the apps and directories out there. But what you can't find on the directories is the topic you're looking for right now. And particularly if you're diving into the library, I would encourage you to think first of what's important to me today. What is the message I need to hear? What am I struggling with right now? perhaps. What can I find that's going to help me today? And we have really put the architecture around the website to really support you in that way to make it as practical as possible to surface what you need right now. It's one of the many benefits of free membership and being able to search the episode library. For those of you who have your free membership set up, just log in, find the episode library, and you'll be able to search by topic of all of the past episodes. All of that and more at coachingforleaders.com. Set up your free membership and you'll be off and running with us in just a few moments. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Bonnie back to the show. She is going to be joining me to respond to the questions that have come up recently from you. So join us for that conversation on question and answers next episode, and we'll see you back next Monday. Take care.